for the Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. speaks for itself. The strongest, smoothest, steadiest car in its field. The new young idea in modern transportation. That's the solid, silent, super torque Ford for 64. This car was born in open competition and its total performance proves it. It enjoys its work, this 1964 Ford, and the enjoyment is contagious from the moment you slip behind the wheel. Now, what is it about any 1964 Ford that makes it such a standout? Take a closer look. First of all, this is a new car, impressively new from stem to stern, with sheet metal sculpture to a degree never before used by Ford. Front, back, and sides, all new, fresh, exciting, inviting. A strong, massive new grille, new headlights and headlight bezels, Here is a car that's as exciting to drive as it is to look at. Did we say excitement? Here is where the glamour really is. Never before has this kind of beauty been attained in any car. Shell-molded pedestal bucket seats give the interior of the Ford Galaxy 500 XL an altogether new feeling of elegance, different from any car in the past. For all their sleek and lively good looks, these seats are actually far more comfortable than previous bucket seats. The seats are chair height. The tunnel is low. The seats, suspended as they are, provide much more foot room for rear seat passengers. There's lots of room to stretch out in. There is more room all around in the 64 Fords. The trunk is larger than last year's with an increase in vertical height to take bulky loads easily. Ford has the liveliest living room on the road, with all the convenience and styling anyone could ever ask for. Door panels and hardware have been restyled for 64, with functional innovations like this pistol grip door handle, to set it apart from those of conventional design. In all 64 Fords, there's a fresh, modern, substantial look from high-styled fabrics and trim. The remote-controlled outside mirror is an option. And, of course, bent windows are crank-operated for your convenience. The 1964 instrument panel is designed with you in mind. The ignition, 
is conveniently located to the right of the steering column. Instruments are easy to read and well shielded. The panel itself is low gloss, cutting down windshield reflection. A new Ford three-speed cruise-o-matic transmission is available in all Fords, equipped with a 223 cubic inch 6 or the 289 cubic inch V8 this year, giving trigger-like takeoffs, second only to a four-speed box. There's a choice of five transmissions altogether. In fact, this year, Ford offers such a wide choice of transmissions and engines that the discerning buyer can have virtually anything he wants. There are five engine sizes to choose from, from the 223 cubic inch mileage maker six for the economy minded, to the big high performance package that set the racing world on its ear this past year, the 427 cubic inch V8, easily the hottest power plant available. Hey, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, uh, woo, good God, woo. Welcome, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live, yes, live, live, here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all, that is, all about us. Wow, I am uh, really am accentuating that today, aren't I? Anyway, and uh, of course, if you miss any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page where you can uh, catch up on all the shows that you missed, which I need to catch up on some of those shows. I need to do a little editing. Anyway, good evening, everybody. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm going to say? Welcome back to Clearwater because I was actually out of town this morning. I had to go down to uh, Fort Pierce on a little business. And yesterday I was in uh, Lauderdale on a little business. And... Um, Let's see what else. And the week before that, weekend before that, on Saturday, I was at Sebring 12 Hours. And on Sunday, I was at uh, the Gator Nationals in Gainesville. Wow. You talk about traversing the state. So you think about it, I went south, then I went north, then I went east, and now I'm back west. So if you don't think that I stay busy, I, I think I was looking at my uh, credit card bills here not too long ago. And my son called to my attention that... Uh, I have bought something like 37 or 30, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I still have this <coughs> cough I can't seem to get rid of, uh, 37 or 3,800 gallons of fuel in the last two years. Now, that's a lot of fuel. So it just goes to show you that uh, I am on the road a lot, and probably one of my biggest expenses besides insurance is my fuel bill. And, uh, of course, it's important because I travel, um, I do diminished values, total losses, and uh, appraisals. Which most of you, my 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 my, my darling uh, loyal listeners, are aware of, and people that know me, and uh, so I travel the Tampa Bay area. I go as far north as Citrus, usually uh, over to Orlando, and then back down to Sarasota, and then back up through Pinellas. And um, so I kind of split that up a couple times a year, but it does take a lot of time, and it is a lot of driving. So I'm on the road all the time. So today I rode down with another gentleman. We had some business to take care of down in Fort Pierce. 
And Fort Pierce is a cute little town. I It's right there on the Indian River. I think that's what they call it. Uh, I call it the Intercoastal, but they call it an Indian River. Uh, you can Google it. And it's just uh, north of Stuart and south of Vero Beach, probably within 30 minutes or so of Vero Beach. Now, Alan is probably listening, and uh, I just uh, found out that he's uh, tuned into YouTube. So he's discovered technology and uh, <coughs> the um, modern usage of uh and I'm sure the phone will be lighting up here in a minute if you can get to the phone. Uh, the uh, modern um, devices that we have at our disposal now, these uh, medias, mediums, as we call it, um, mediums. Let's see, what do we think here? In, in high school, we had a class called, uh, I think it was called um, something media. Can't remember exactly what it was, but it was kind of a fun class where we actually sat there in multimedia class or something like that. But it was kind of fun because we were actually making films and taking pictures and cool stuff like that. Uh, again, you know, if you'd asked me back in 1972 or three or four, whenever it was I was in high school, if I'd be doing a radio show today, I probably would have said, nah, probably not. But hey, I've been doing it. We're going to have our nine year anniversary here come May 13th. And, uh, I'm proud to say I truly enjoyed my show, and uh, I like being a guest on my show, a host on my show, <laughs> I guess, a guest host on my show. Anyway, so tonight what I decided to do is because I was coming back from Port Pierce, I wasn't exactly sure I was going to make it on time, so I didn't have time to really kind of get prepped for the show and, and, and have a guest on, but I did want to talk a little bit about uh, Sebring 12-Hour Race. I've been going to Sebring since 1976, 77, somewhere around in there, and uh, being a big race car fan, uh, road race fan, Sebring is just really, really cool. But, you know, I look back on how the track has changed, how it's modernized, how finally I can say our sport is really evolved. I mean, it's pretty pretty sophisticated now. I mean, it's real high tech, but every year they just, they make certain changes. And, uh, and the crowds just, uh, they seem like they're getting bigger and there's more people, but it's more organized. When I was walking through the paddocks this time, in the old days you had, uh, you know, a couple tents here and there and you had some trucks and rigs and things of that nature. And, 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 and the paddock area in Simmering was an absolute mess. It is so organized now, it's incredible. In fact, the uh, paddocks where the actual, you know, the big, the big teams are is out on the runway and uh, they literally had giant... Uh, I don't want to say prefab, but they had these giant tents, and they were huge, and they had hard plastic sides and, you know, the material uh, tops and, and, and backs, and uh, they were pretty pretty sophisticated. I mean, you can almost drag a semi through them, um, and, you know, that's where a lot of the teams were. So it's – because Seabury doesn't really have a paddock area like Daytona does. Daytona and some of the other racetracks have um, – have actually concrete buildings there where the teams usually go into. Daytona, for example, is one of those. And I've been going to Daytona probably also about the same time, since 1977, 78, somewhere around there. And uh, the cars. The cars are extremely sophisticated these days. I think Cadillac, the Le Mans car, the LMP cars, I think came in one, two, and three. So they cleaned up pretty good. So... um, that was good. American car won Sebring, American race. That was good. I think in GT3 or GT, I can't remember the class exactly how it's called, but anyway, I think it was Porsche, Ford, and then Corvette. And uh, so at least we had the Ford on top of the Corvette. Ford would have won, but they were down one lap, I think, or two or whatever it was. And then in the lower class, there, the, there's a GT2 like two class or whatever. 
And I believe Lamborghini won its class. So that was kind of interesting. I think that's the first time out of the gate for them here locally. Uh, they may have won it last year. I don't remember. And then the, uh, you know, Sebring is just a, a really cool track. The neat thing about Sebring is you can get around the whole track and you can see a lot of stuff. There's a lot of vantage points there. And I try to get as many pictures as I can. So if you follow us on Facebook, you can go see some of the pictures I got. And it, But it was raining. It was really, really, really raining. In fact, the, when the pace car went out, I think they made 10, 11, or 12 laps before the pace car finally came in. And uh, they turned the cars loose. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, uh, but they what they did is they had to, you know, they went out there because it wasn't, it was wet. So uh, they... Um, I know when they had the cars all on the grid, it was raining, and there was umbrellas everywhere, and so you had to kind of duck because you didn't want to get uh, poked in the eyeball. And uh, But it was pretty wet. So they had the equipment out there on the track trying to dry the track, which is you know, kind of a moot point if it's raining really hard. And uh, But they were doing the best uh, you know, because of puddles. And if, anything, if nothing else, they wanted to get the puddles out of the way so the cars wouldn't hydroplane because they do have very fat, wide, low-profile low tires. So... Anyway, so the pace car was out there, and the pace car happens to be a Corvette. should be a Shelby, but it's a Corvette. And uh, I think, like I said, after the 10th or 12th lap, I think they finally turned loose, and the cars went. And it was like, I thought it was a boat race, because the rooster tails were so high, it was incredible. I mean, you know, the cars were shooting rooster tails probably three or four car lengths back. But it was exciting, and, uh, you know, road racing is a game of attrition, you know. So it's not like you really got to go out there and blow somebody's doors in. You just have to be fast and consistent and kind of hold your line. And, and uh, eventually, after 12 hours, that's why they call it an endurance race, no different than a 24-hour Daytona endurance race or a Le Mans 24-hour endurance race. It's a game of attrition, you know, whoever wins. So you just got to make sure your car is reliable, dependable, and, uh, you know, you come in at the end. So that's the way that kind of works. But overall, it was a great race. A lot of people were there, saw a lot of friends, uh, made a few new friends. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was exciting. The media center, actually, which is normally in, part of it's in the building. Some of it's down on the, on the ground level there. They moved that over to a big, giant tent. And I was pretty impressed by that, too, because it was huge. And, uh, but you think about it. You know, media, they got people from all over the world. Now, granted, we are considered media. But we're not like ESPN or some major publication or network type media, you know, or uh, world world broadcasting uh, organization or member of any kind of you know uh, large organization like that. But uh, we're still media and we're still legit because we are live radio, and uh, so that quantifies us, so to speak. Sunday, I moseyed on up to, uh, again, got up really, really, really early, you know, another two-and-a-half-hour drive, three-hour drive, actually, up to the Gainesville Raceway, and we got up there, and what happened? Yeah, it was raining. The uh, tractors, uh, they have them, you know, the, the brushes and the little um, rubber things that they drag behind the tractors, they were running up and down trying to clean the track as best they could. So that race got postponed. supposed to start at 10 o'clock. It got postponed till about... Uh, uh, I think 2 o'clock finally when they turned the first top fuel car down there. So as I was walking through the pits, I was kind of hanging out with our friends at Amelie Oil. And I, again, there was a picture on Facebook of uh, myself, Harry Barquette, the president of uh, Amelie Oil, his uh, right-hand man, Denny, Mag uh, Denny Madden, and his brother, Rick um, uh, Barquette. So we were kind of there, and then I talked to uh, Terry McMillan, and I think we we're going to make arrangements to have Terry come on the show and talk a little bit about 
his racing experience. He's been at it for a long, long, long time and uh, been sponsored by Amelie Oil for a long, long time. In fact, it's called the Amelie Motor Oil Gator Nationals, and this was the 50th anniversary. So as I'm diddy-bopping through the pits, uh, I just happened to bump into Kenny Bernstein. Kenny was there, and a lot of the legends were there. Shirley Modellin was there. Uh, Don Garlos was there. Um, and, of course, the current racers, you know, that, that everybody all knows. Everybody knows. And uh, John Force was there, and I talked to John for a few minutes. And, but you know, so like when, when on race day, it's really hard to kind of sometimes talk to these people because they're really focused, you know. So um, it's, you know, if you bump into them, you get a minute or two and you can say hi and do kind of like a quick meet and greet and then you wander off. But the thing about drag racing is it's probably one of the few um, forms of racing that, you know, the average guy can kind of still get involved in it because it doesn't cost a lot of money to drag race. I mean, you can go right over here to, uh, I think it's called Showtime now. It used to be Sunshine Speedway or dragway been around forever since i've been here uh goes way back to the good old days when it was a nhra sanctioned quarter mile track but i think because somebody blew through the traps one day decided to go crisscross across almondon road uh they lost that and it became an eighth mile track so eighth mile is okay i mean eighth mile cars go pretty fast too so you know a thousand feet or whatever it is they do at any rate, uh, Tommy, let's see. What do we got queued up on the uh, turntable? now? You know, a little be, Lobo. A little Lobo. I was kind of looking through uh, the internet, the interweb there a little bit, and I was trying to find some musicians and groups that were kind of uh, indigenous, or that's probably the wrong word, but uh, kind of native to Florida. And uh, Lobo was one of those uh, bands. I think the owner's name is Kevin Lavori or something like that, or... He is from Tallahassee. So this is a song that came out, I think, in 71. Real popular. Me and you and a dog named Boo. So I'm kind of like going on this little, hey, wow, hey, you. since I've been traveling all over Florida, I might as well just play some Florida band songs, right? So, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, here's a little me and you and a dog named Boo. Maybe 
be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hi, this is John Force, and you're listening, listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You do it better than me. You do. I it. don't know. <laughs> Actually, I, that's always a good promo right there, just in itself. I'm John Force, and uh, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah, we're back. That was uh, the man himself. Boy, I tell you what, he is uh, uh, really. You know, he's actually a living legend. He's been racing for so long since the '70s, and here it is. We're almost 2020, and he's still out there kicking butt. So. He was in the peak funny car and doing an excellent job. So, at any rate, so what did I do uh, yesterday? Yesterday, I actually now Alan's probably listening, so Alan appreciate this. And uh, I went down to uh, West Palm Beach to look at some cars down there. Then I had to do an appraisal on uh, not one, not two, not three, not even four, but maybe five or six, actually. Seven of those funny little Italian cars, those funny little spaghetti grinders that everybody goes bananas over. And uh, I think they're called Ferraris. So, um, but it was real interesting because there was uh, two 2015 Ferraris, 458 Speciale. One was an Aperto. Aperto is Italian for open. Uh, basically a spider, and these were a match set. These were twins. These were in that kind of a matte black color, and their specialities, a few little extra trim pieces on them, unique uh, um, interior pieces, and they had the striping on them. Very, very nice car, special order cars, but they, both these cars were identical. One was a spider, one was a coupe. And uh, and they were all, and the engine compartment, I believe, was also all signed, if I remember correctly, signed by many of the um, people that actually assembled the car, a lot of the you know the the line workers and uh, mechanics and uh, assembly people, they're at Ferrari, and uh, so that was pretty cool. At any rate, and then the other Ferrari that I had to look at was a 2019 488 Pista. Pista is uh, another word for racing. And uh, now the, the other two cars that I took a look at, there. Here's the deal. You have a lot of people out there that uh, buy these cars to drive them. And you hear me talking about this all the time on the show. I'll say, if you get a car that's got miles on it, drive it and just enjoy it and have fun. If you want to drive a certain car. If you're looking to collect the car, perhaps even keep it as an um, investment grade, for example. Excuse me. <coughs> then what you do is you have to buy something very, very unique and a limited production like these uh, 
Matt Black cars, these Speciales. They only made 500 of those cars worldwide of each. Okay, and these two particular two particular cars were ordered as a pair, so they're kind of like twins, if you will. And uh, the thing is, is though as as nice as they are, you know, some people buy, and this is kind of like a coming trend. Cars have gotten to be not just cars anymore. The cars are being treated like artwork. So they actually create. You know how you've heard of uh, investment funds, portfolio funds uh, for stocks and bonds and things of that nature. Well, this is starting to happen with other things outside of cars. Uh, excuse me, outside of stocks and bonds, it's happening with cars. It's happening with coins. It's happening with jewelry. It's happening happening with musical instruments as well, guitars, for example. So nothing is is uh, is like. Uh, excluded from this. And uh, so we got somebody on the phone? All right, so uh, let's put our guest on the phone. Let me take a wild guess. It has four. I'll give you one. I'll give it one. Starts with an A and ends in an N. Am I close? Ding, 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 ding. ding. ding, ding. Oh, I get a fish. You win a prize. I win a prize. <laughs> wow. Hey, by the way, just for giggles, if you guys want to call in, let me give you the number. It's 727-441-3000. I will open the lines tonight. I don't normally do this, but I'm in a good mood. So 727-441-3000 or 1-866-826-1340. That means if you're outside of Pennyless County or Pinellas County, Wet Pennyless County, I should say. one 826 1340 Alan, welcome to Nostalgic Freedom Cars. How's rehab? Well, you got the A and the N right. This is Algenon. Oh, Algenon. <laughs> Algenon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Algenon. I'm sitting here, I got one arm. One arm. Al so uh, one arm. Al one arm. That's it. There we go. Just, we'll just Al one arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Al one arm. Okay, yeah, so what's up? Arm. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to uh, go to uh, uh, South Florida yesterday, and I had to appraise uh, seven Ferraris. Yeah, but you said the Special, whatever, they made 500. Well, back they made... Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, back in 1964, 65, they made a Ferrari 500. They call it a super fast, so there's no doubt what it does. And I think they made 13 of them. That is limited. Well, yes, yes, yes. But 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 today's considering that the total production run for let's see the super fast would have been what category? Would it have been a four hundred or a three a three thirty? It was a five hundred. <laughs> I know. It, okay, it was, but what was the body? What was it based on? Which car? It was a special body. It was a special body. Okay, so yeah, yeah. <coughs> like excuse me. Four hundred super America, the five hundred super fast. Yeah. Now, the super and, America uh, wasn't that the two? Wasn't that a two fifty GT with a? Three liter or four liter engine in it? No, um, it had a different body. It, the body was special. Okay, was special on the body. super fast. Yeah, and the in the Super America both had different. And the bodies. super okay was that the ones that were yeah. kind of pointy a little bit on both ends a little bit? Exactly. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they get went like real fast, and the super fast went 170 back then. So one was fast and one was super fast. Hence, right. fast and super. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> I got that. Got I figured Ferrari, that out all by myself. <laughs> I have a Ferrari super fast. So what's it do? Uh, it goes pretty super okay. fast. <laughs> okay. Well, now, you know, it's funny because they have the modern-day Ferraris. Like, for example, one of the cars that I looked at yesterday, and I actually test drove it, and I actually liked it. You know me. I like station wagons or long uh-huh. roofs, as we call So I drove the, the Drago wagon. Huh? Yeah, the bread wagon. Bread right. wagon. <laughs> well, actually, what it was was a Ferrari. They call it now, and i kind of not in with the – I'm not warm and fuzzy to the name, okay? But they call it a GTC4 Lusso. Well, oh, yeah, Lusso is supposed to be a two-seater. 
It, yeah, it was. I mean, the original but car. Luxury, luxury means luxury. Luxury means luxury, exactly. So right, yeah. this one was the, uh, and, and what was it, 2014, I think, they, or 15, they came I, out with what it, they call the FF, which was basically four-seater, four-wheel drive. So it basically was their little version of their little station wagon. And then yeah, I, peop- I know the car. I know right. All and about it. and yeah. people didn't call, didn't like the name FF. So for marketing purposes, they decided to call it a, like a GTC. And I don't know why they call it that. It's not a coupe. GTC. C yeah. stands for coupe, right? S right, is for yeah, spider. Like the GTC, the 365. Yeah, exactly. So it's called a GTC yeah. 4. Now, wait a minute. And it could be a 2 plus 2. I, yes, exactly. GT. All right, so w- what was the, in 73, remember they had a, the car that kind of came out and kind of replaced the 365 GTB for um, the Daytona, basically. The car that came out that had that funny rubber bumper on it, it was kind of a fastback looking thing. Was that, wasn't that a GTC4? That was a GTC, that was a GTC4, yeah. Okay, so That's this is. funky, funky bumper up front, yeah. yeah. Looked like a, uh, I'm trying to think what it looked like, but it looked like a Renault or something like that front bumper. It was yeah. pretty hideous. <clears throat> so anyway, so I did that. I actually drove that car, and i got to tell you, Alan, I really actually, out of all the Ferraris, I get in there, and, you, you know, it, it's all buttons, paddle shifters, and there's, you know, the console kind of sticks up a little bit. There's a little uh, console on top of a console, and there's three buttons in there. It's neutral, drive, and reverse, I guess, and everything else is done on the paddles on the, on the stern column. And uh, but it was a it was a very comfortable car. It was a big car, by all practical standards. It weighs something like forty two hundred pounds, and uh, but it's six hundred and ninety horsepower inline twelve. And you could actually get there's a GTC four T for touring, which has a V eight motor in it, which has the four eighty eight engine in it. And then there's this one that had the 12 cylinder so i drove the inline uh, the the v12 and i got to yeah. tell you it was pretty inline cool inline 12 would have too much on crankshaft wobble yeah 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 so it was a v12 <laughs> but at any rate uh tooling around lauderdale and and a ferrari was kind of cool you know so i thought mm, okay so now let me tell you where these ferraris were um they were in a place called robovault Okay, now I don't know if any of you guys have seen, uh, probably unless you went to maybe Orlando over off John Young Parkway and Sand Lake Road, there is this big giant, looks like a giant Pez dispenser, and it's full of cars, and it's called Carvana. Carvana. And, you know, you, you kind of like, uh, okay, where do you draw the line? You basically go online, you look at the car, take pictures of it, or it shows you pictures of it, and then you walk over to the giant Pez dispenser, and... <laughs> And you put your tokens in, and it out pops a car. And, uh, well, anyway, so this RoboVault was kind of cool because this is indoor climate control storage. And the only thing that's in there is exotics because it costs about 450 to $500 a month to keep your car there. And I was watching in the video or the camera as the cars are coming down. You'll see that it looked like an aircraft carrier. It was really cool because the thing flaps up, moves around, boxes the thing, kind of puts it on a skid, moves it here, moves it there, and then brings it down to the ground floor, which is basically everything just flips open again and voila, the car's there. And uh, so I thought, hmm, interesting. And I guess the thing kind of rotates so that you can aim the car so you can drive out. But the way they've got it situated, they got it figured out where it's all nice and neat packaged together. So the uh, Ferrari um, 488, let's see which one was it, it was a 488, there was three cars there, there was a 488 uh, Pista there, oh, 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 the McLaren, the, the other car that I had to look at was a 2019 
McLaren P5 Senna. Are you familiar with that car, Alan? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. I'm not. And uh, after the race car driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. that car, um, I guess, replaces the P1, which was the P1. Wasn't that a hybrid? Wasn't that a mixed car? I don't know, to tell you the truth. Well, they're pushing two or three million. I don't know. You know, kind of like LaFerrari. Wasn't it LaFerrari? Wasn't that hybrid also? That I don't know either. Uh, see, see, to me, a battery car is what I had when I was a little kid. I rode around on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or your grandmother gave you one for Christmas, and you put a couple of uh, triple Ds in there, and you had a little steering wheel on this little remote thing with a little cable that went down to some little car, and that was a battery-operated right. car. So you run it down the hill to recharge the batteries, you know. Yeah. It had its own regenerative braking back then. Oh. So, it, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so there's McLaren. And uh, it had a big whopping 132 miles on it. You know, you start looking at these cars, and there's no question, there's no question that racing is essential. It's just like you, it has to be there because there's so much technology, so much development that comes out of racing that winds up in your street car. And, I mean, even ground effects by today's standards, you know, it's just... Uh, Something that was developed, and I remember the first some of the first ground effects cars that I saw. Now they inadvertently discovered it, and in, uh, probably in the fifties, right, Alan? Something like that. And then the sixties, they stumbled on it again, and then it became yeah, the norm in the seventies. Yeah, Jim Hall, right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he was playing around with them goofy spoilers and little wings hanging off the side of the cars, and so, yeah, so nineteen sixty, and the sucker car in sixty nine, right? Which. Uh, you know, if they did, it'd be interesting because you got to give you got to give those guys credit because you know, especially when somebody came out with something really far fetched like that. What well, was just like the turbine car in Indy? You know, which uh, well, that was a Grand Intelli car, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, it was so far; it was many laps ahead before the a bearing went out. Turbine was fine, just the rest of it behind it. Something in the transmission. So what, say. Did you get a chance? Was it last week's show? Did I have uh, Frank? Uh, uh, Campanelli on, and uh, his uncle was involved in the design and development of the turbine car with mm. Axner and those guys. And, you know, you and I both remember the movie back when it came out, The Lively Set, with uh, Doug McClure. Oh, and, yeah. Um, who was the other guy that was Derek? James, Jimmy Darren. James, James Darren. James like Darren, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and he was supposed to be an engineer. Yeah, he's supposed to be an engineer thing, right. So, yeah. you know, you talk about. The turbine engine, and you know, you just wonder that they, they 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 developed that motor back in the day. They had issues because it didn't have any bottom end. wasn't a fuel problem. Uh, then there was a braking problem with the car, right? There was there was just some yeah. There's no engine braking. Yeah. <clears throat> so basically, but the concept was kind of pretty cool. So you know, you you look and and here's the deal. You and I both don't know, unless you're really up on all these high-tech magazines. Of course, back in the day, what did we have? Car Model Science, and what was the other one? Um, the little magazines that we used to read that uh, it was, you know, the, the, the high-tech magazine. Well, they really were, I mean, by then, yeah. back in those days, they were high-tech. But you had, uh, I was two of them had the word science in them. I can't even remember what they were. They, Proper Science. Popular Science was one. Yeah, what was yeah, the other science one? Science and Mechanics. Science and Mechanics. Proper Mechanics with... In the, uh, Tom McCahill, right? And yeah. Smokey Yannick had a um, column in Popular Science. He had great. Okay. Yeah. And because uh, I know you're extremely well read, and uh, so you probably re recall all that stuff. Yeah, I, I turned a nice shade of red out in the sun. 
<laughs> okay, I love humor and what? Turbine cars. Actually, they were doing back in the 50s. Rover did one like in 53 or something, plus or minus a couple of years. Rover? And, um, yeah, and Chrysler, by the time they got done with the turbine program, they were in like the seventh generation, I think. They even put a turbine in a K car just for experimental. Chrysler did? Yeah, yeah. And the best, well, the turbine car is actually, it's like driving a 56 Buick with a Dynaflow. How you get a good hole shot? You hit the brake. You spool the turbine up to 40,000 RPMs, lay your foot off the brake, and pow, you're gone like out of a slingshot. <laughs> yeah, the Dynaflow, the same thing. You hit the brake, floor it, and the car would rise up because it had that torque tube and everything. Uh-huh. And you, like, you put off the brake and it take off. You know, but but this is where I'm going with this. You know, there's so okay. much cool stuff that comes out of racing or, you oh, know, yeah. just a couple backyard street mechanics. Cars, yeah. Street yeah. And it winds street up. Street cars are so much safer. They, they are, you know. And yeah. Exactly, which is true, you know. I mean, so I'm not going to say airbags were developed by race cars because I don't think they were. But, you know, uh, I'm sure a couple crash yeah. test dummies got together and discussed it and uh, said uh, uh-huh. it kind of works, you know. <laughs> Speaking of that, remember back in the se- – go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, remember back in the early 60s, uh, I think it was – I remember seeing a stupid commercial for it because they used it. Uh, it was filmed yeah. actually in New York. The checker cabs had an impact bumper that they developed that was on the front oh, of their yeah. car with the plugs and the water in it. So if you ran in the back of any somebody – uh, the water would absorb the impact, and then the, and rather than blow the plastic off the front of the car, plugs yeah, just pop. Yeah, guys is coming up. Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, you remember that? Uh-huh. Yep. That was uh, that was kind of weird. So, hey Tommy, what else you got on the turntable? You got a little. We got another band, or another band, another singer or artist, music musician that was out of Jim uh, Stafford. Jim Stafford. Yeah, I used to see him here in Clearwater, and uh, I bumped into him the first time I met him was up in. Uh, uh, you see him at the Frog Pond all the time, or the Glass Frog and, and on uh, Clover right. Beach on the Hilton. He used to be down there performing. And then I was at the Shelby meet in 1977 in Pennsylvania at Hershey. And I was walking down the hallway, and I said, hey, you look familiar. He goes, hey, you look familiar. And of course, you know, that was his response. And uh, and then later I, I got to meet him a few times when he was here in Clearwater. But anyway, so this is a song that we used to hear listen to when I was in high school in 1970. Two or three or somewhere around in there. Can't remember, but I remember playing this on my radio stereo in my car. So here's a little Jim Stafford, and it's uh, Swamp Witch. Green reptiles grow. Snakes hang thick from the cypress trees like sausage on a smokehouse wall. Where the swamp is alive with a thousand eyes, and all I'm watching you stay off the track of Hattie Shack. In the back of the black bayou Way up the road from Hattie's shack Lies a sleepy little Okeechobee town Talk a swamp witch Hattie Lock you in when the sun go down Rumors of what she done Rumors of what she do Kept folks off a track of Hattie Shack in the back of the Black Bayou. One day brought the rain, the rain stayed on, and the swamp water overflowed. Skeeters and the fever grabbed the town like a fist. Doc Jackson was the first to go. 
Some said the plague was brought by Hattie There was talk of a hanging too But the talk got shackled by the howls And the cackles from the bowels of the black bayou Early one morning between dark and dawn When shadows fill the sky There came an unseen caller On a town where hope run dry In the square there was found A big black round vat Full of gurgling brew Whispering sounds as the folks gathered round It came from the black Yes, and we're back. Now, Don, uh, Alan, you still there? Alan. Yeah, yeah I'm Alan. still here. No, by, Al, by the Al, way. Al, one arm. Al, one arm. Okay, what? go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, those Ferraris you were driving, yeah. it's like a race car, but it's got power windows, AC, and a little sound dead in there, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't like the good old days, but, uh, you know, when, when Ferraris were Ferraris, these are kind of like um, yeah. modern day, I don't know what you call them, but they're pretty cool. I can see why people would, I can see why somebody would buy one for their wife. You know, <laughs> it's got two pedals. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> uh, did you appreciate that McDonald's commercial? When I moved to Florida, that was the, uh, in the 71, that was the commercial that we used to yeah, listen to I mean, all the time. It was such a motivating commercial. Now, I had I mean, a, yeah, motivating commercial to get a, get a job within a future. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, McDonald's managers actually did pretty good, especially if you're a franchise owner, you know. So, but, yeah. but that's back when you can buy a franchise for, I don't know, twenty five or 30000 bucks or something like that for McDonald's. Can you, Matt, today it's... I don't know, close to a half a million or a million or more. Plus, you got to have the At real least. estate. Not to mention DOC, <laughs> EPA, and everyone else. Oh yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, so, and anyway, um, a couple of weeks ago we were at uh, two weeks ago we were at, at uh, Russo and Steel in Monterey, or Monterey in uh, Amelia Island, and you know what was sitting on the back lot? I don't know if I had a chance to tell you that, but there was a '64 four headlight. 330 GT 2 plus 2. Ah, four-speed or five-speed car? Uh, you know what? I don't, I, I didn't really run the gate, so I couldn't really tell you. And I don't, can you physically tell by looking at the shifter? Are they different? No. What you do is you look at the uh, steering column, and the overdrive switch is on one side, and the turn signal is on the other side. Uh, did not know that, so that got past yeah. me. And then I talked. Yeah, a little trivia that like five people in the world know, and it doesn't really do anyone any good. Right, and the only five people that know it were the five people that actually own that car. 
Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, so the McLaren was a pretty interesting piece. And um, see what else? Oh, yeah. Then he also had a, uh, not one, but two Ferrari 480, 488 Challenge cars. So that was the race car. In fact, I think in a week or two. In fact, I think what we should do is we should just go ahead and do a Florida Car Show Minute. So uh, if you want to know where all the car shows are, definitely check out flacarshows.com. So what's happening here next month on April 11th through the 13th? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Barrett-Jackson down in West Palm Beach. So that should, should be pretty good. Next weekend, next weekend already? No, two weeks. Two weeks, HSR, our good friends over there, Historic Sports Car Racing, the Spring Fling, and that's the 29th through the 31st down at Sebring. So that should be a lot of fun. I think next month is the Walter Mitty, which is up in Road Atlanta. I haven't been there in a while, so that should be a lot of fun. I might be able to make it. I'm not sure yet. Uh, there is a car show in... Um, it's up in... You've been there, too? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, did I tell you that your uh, your friend, um, Lauren Fix, we haven't had her on the show. Probably should have called her. I probably could have got her to come on tonight. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But that I was... Uh, that would have been good, yeah. Um, she won her class with a 65 Shelby. And I heard that her husband and her together restored. So it was a beautiful car. And that's got to be kind of a, you know, a big rush. You know, you're at Amelia Island. You know, so probably the number one... Uh, concourse in the country and then you, you roll up there your name's announced you drive your car up there you win an award and then you drive off into the sunset that's pretty cool and uh, there was a lot of people that won awards there and um there was actually three no two 1965 shelby's up there and uh and there was two cobras and uh and and one i think the big block 427 car won an award and i'm not sure i think the i think the 289 car did too it was i think it was a uh an fia car so it had a little bit of race history but it was there had a good collection of cars there uh jackie x was the guest of honor and the grand marshal at uh amelia island this year and i had an opportunity to talk to him very very pleasant gentleman you know world champion uh, just won Le Mans, I think, four or five times. Um, I bumped into uh, Hurley Haywood. Hurley Haywood won, I think, Le Mans five times as well. Jackie X won Le Mans six times. That's right, because he's the number one guy. So Jackie X won it six times, and Hurley Haywood, I think, five times. Hurley Haywood won Sebring, I believe, twice, and Daytona three times. So that's quite an accomplishment. We're going to have Hurley Haywood on here uh, soon. David Hobbs and uh, one other legendary race car driver because they all have books out right now. And naturally, they want to promote their books and we want to help them promote their books. So, and uh, they've all raced here in Florida and uh, they got some pretty good stories. So, we'll talk about their books and we'll talk about their racing. The Ferrari Challenge is coming up. I think that's mm, might be next weekend also. And uh, that's, I believe, at Sebring. Now, if I was really proficient with a computer, I could jump over here on the computer and I could Google this real quick while I'm talking, but I can't. I have a tough enough time trying to walk, talk, chew bubblegum at the same time. What else I we got? I even talk. I, much less talk, yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyway. Um, on the way back from Gainesville the other day when I was driving back, I left like around, oh, I don't know, 4 o'clock. I stopped by. I have a tendency to kind of like whip through 
industrial parks and industrial neighborhoods because you just never know what you might find, especially on weekends when people have their garage doors open. So as I was whipping through there, I saw a guy that had a bunch of 240SXs, and I've got some parts for sale for 240SX. And, of course, when you walk inside the garage, here you're thinking you got all these tuning cars, and then what's sitting in there is a couple of Porsches. So we started talking to the guy a little bit. One thing led to another. I saw a couple of amplifiers sitting there, and then he's also into musical instruments and stuff. So we started talking a little bit. He used to be in the Ferraris. Now, Alan, I don't remember if you ever went north on north of Ocala. On 301 where the Mieras were. Yes. I was just going to mention for you to tell the story, but, hey, you got beat me to it, so go ahead. Okay, so the guy, you're not, this is what I'm telling you. This is why it's such a small world. It was so a little I'm, wooden barn. Yeah, but wasn't, it, wasn't there a Quonset hub there, too, or something like that? that I a, don't know. I just remember some wood building. <coughs> go yes. north on 301 from Ocala. And it was on the left side, and there would be like there was like mirrors there. This is back in the seventies. Yeah, it was. It was. Just yeah, brightly it, colored mirrors. I think there was uh, playing there, around. Right, and there were a there was were was um, uh, a four hundred was up there. I remember seeing it on East Laro, and I think it was either in a Spotter or a Jerome or something like. That. He had a bunch of Lamborghinis there, and he had some other. I think he might have had a Ferrari or two there as well. So yeah. the guy's shop that I was into, we were talking, and when he was in the Porsches back in the day, he got out of Porsches because he got ridiculously expensive, so now he's doing tuna cars with his son. He's quality retired, so he just kind of tinks, tinkers around in there. So we started talking, and I said, well, there used to be a guy up around here that did a lot of Mustang stuff because I used to come up to Gainesville, and I used to trade with some guy that was into Mustangs. I, he, I had salvaged Mustangs, and he did, so we kind of barter around on some parts, and I'd have to pick something up from him every once in a while because he had something I didn't have and vice versa. So then we started talking about, we got on the subject about sports cars, and then I said, you know, do you recall a guy that used to be just outside of a cal up on the hill on the left side as you're heading north that had a bunch of Italian exotics, particularly Lamborghinis and stuff like that? He says, yeah. He gives me the guy's name. He says, that guy was there up until about 10 years ago, and then uh, he just kind of like vanished off the planet, but the building is still there. Well, it was raining, otherwise I would have driven down there, so I started in that direction. But while I was talking to him, he was telling me about this other guy that has a bunch of 356 stuff. So I said, well, where's the guy with the 356 stuff? Well, that guy, I actually have his phone number. So he gave me the guy's phone number. So I met with the guy there just outside of Micanopy, or Micanopy, whatever you want to call it, Micanopy. And, uh, my canopy is when it's raining. <laughs> my canopy is when it's raining. Good one. So... He says, yeah, well, uh, meet me at the gas station, and I'll be driving a Volkswagen bus. And I go, okay. So he shows up, and uh, he says, yeah, you want to come over to my place? And I said, sure. So we start driving off into the woods. Now, you know, this is the thing, and, and you, Al and I talked about this a long time ago. You really need a helicopter. There's no way in a million years would have you ever found this place. We went down a road, turned right on another road, turned right on another road, turned right on another road, made a left, came on a dirt road, went wandering through acres and acres and acres of stuff. In fact, you know what was sitting down there? We, we went right past it. It was an MGB GT that somebody had stuffed a V8 and a 9-inch under it, or a 6-zone and a 9-inch under it. And it was sitting there, but the guy wasn't there, and I wasn't going to get out because I didn't really feel like getting shot. And uh, so we ended up going way down in the woods, and there's this guy's got this little old shack, and in the back he's got a bigger shack. And guess what? He's restoring 356s in there. So there's 356s in there, 356 motors, transmissions, all kinds of 356 stuff, pictures everywhere. And this guy was out of Miami a long time ago, and like a lot of guys that were in a big city, just said, you know what, screw this, I'm not doing this big city stuff anymore. I'm out of here. I'm going to find myself someplace out in the hills, which is kind of what you and I talk about all the time, which I'm going to do. Definitely. 
Yeah, and uh, so, but it's just amazing. So, I I just never it never ceases to amaze me. Now, all these guys are our generation, Alan. So they're in their sixties and seventies. You know, so you know they're going to get tired eventually, and eventually that stuff's going to be sit there. Now you don't know if the people. You know, like the guy in St. Pete that had that big collection of uh, rare Ford, NOS Ford parts that he had stuffed in the garage. He always told his wife, that's ah, worth nothing, it's worth nothing. So what does she do? She thinks it's worth nothing, and she throws it all in a dumpster. And uh, so the scary part about it is, is there's a lot of rare stuff out there, and these guys have it. And if something happens to these guys and nobody knows what the stuff is or where it is, or nobody else but that guy gives a diddly about it, that stuff's going to go to, like, the, it's going to just, uh, it'll just going to disappear, and it's going to be terrible, because the guy had some pretty cool stuff. And I've been running into this every once in a while, you know, because I go through these little bit of towns, and I walk in, and I stop and talk to people, and one thing leads to another, and then the next thing you know, you know this guy and that guy. But the quest is to find the guy with the Lamborghinis. we got to do that. So one of these days, we'll have to take a ride up there and see if we can do a little detective work, a little Lieutenant Columbo correspondence uh course that we took and apply everything we learned and go find out where this guy with all those Lamborghinis uh, went. And uh, Well, I've found scenic cruises before laying around. Just driving west of Orlando, visiting people, and just, I'm going to take these back roads and out in the middle of these gladiola fields or whatever, and there's a lean-to, here's a scenic cruiser sitting there, which is an old Greyhound bus. And there's one off of 192, and there's one north of Bud Delane somewhere which is Hoyt Axon's old bus. But, yeah, you can find that stuff. You just got to be really persistent. Of course, the scenic cruise is 40 foot long, 11 foot high. It's a little bit bigger than the Mira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no question about that. Well, yeah. Alan, guess what? We're up against the clock. I hope you're doing okay. okay. I'll have to stop by there. But thanks for calling in and hanging out with us here at uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah, it was either me or um, Dan Gurney's son, so it was me. Oh, okay. Well, all right. So, anyway, I want to thank uh, Alan for hanging out with us. Thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget, if you have any questions, check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive page, where you can hear all our past shows. But don't forget to check out GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. In the meantime, I want to see some of you guys at the car shows. Check out FLACarshows.com. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.